All right, everybody, welcome back to an episode, a special episode, probably the most special episode we've ever done. Wouldn't you say, Craig? Oh, yeah. Muy especial. This is the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. And tonight we are graced by our two unicorns, the ones, the onlys, Bulletproof Hygiene Gals, Sharissa and Brittany. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yes. So if if you are uh, listening at home, you might want to get your pen and paper. If you're a doc and you want to uh, take notes for your hygienist, feel free because this one's going to blow your doors off and they're going to teach us, they're going to teach us all their, all their, their tips and tricks and then their paradigm shifts and everything in between. Right gals? Yeah. 30 years of cumulative in one hour and the next and, and under an hour. Right. We're just going to pick your brain, right? (laughs) Don't you love when people say that? Yeah, we did a podcast on that actually. Yeah. Anyway, y'all really, we're really excited to have you, you know, all jokes aside, you guys are, are beacons in the industry and, and definitely in our own respective practices. Sharissa works at my uh, Atlanta dental spa and is the hygiene lead there. Um, if you if you scroll back all the way before Craig was even part of the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast, I did an I did an uh, podcast with Sharissa and I said it's the 500k hygienist. And Sharissa, that's gotten a lot of views. Oh, and yeah. since then, since then, Sharissa has grown with Atlanta Dental Spa and continued to lead all the hygienists in our ecosystem. But as of last year, she and Brittany. It had a, uh, a bulletproof hygiene breakout from our summit in Houston. And so now, because it was such a great success this year coming up, you guys have your own like 8,000 foot ballroom in, in the, uh, in the Woo-hoo. one we're doing in Austin. Yeah, so awesome. Craig, do you want to say a few things about Brittany? Uh, yeah. So Brittany is our lead hygienist at SDG and um, she befriended Sharissa a long time ago. How many years ago was it that you guys, you and Teresa got together? 2018. Yeah. Okay. So that's a long time ago in my world and spent the day with the $500,000 hygienist and picked her brain and they became friends. And Brittany um, has led our department, you know, year over year growth of, you know, 20, 30% consistently. And it's an honor to have you here, Brittany. When we brought them to our last summit in Houston. It was right just a test, wasn't it, Craig? It was a test. It was, <laughs> it was a, a test. test. We're like, hey, let's see how you guys do. And um, it was a sink or swim, and uh, they flew. So um, and the from feedback that, from the from oh, yeah. from the people in the room, you, we gave you guys like a giant coat closet to teach him, and it <laughs> the feedback. Well, this was <laughs> hey, look, this was pre-COVID, so it was okay to be on top of each other, right? So I mean. <laughs> Now yeah. that would be heaven forbid. That would have been a super spreader for sure. That's, that would have been a super like spreader bodies. event. <laughs> it was a fire hazard, actually. It was a fire hazard. Probably yeah. so. so. So they literally, you crushed it. The feedback was incredible. It was supposed to go on for like two or three hours. We didn't see the hygienist for like seven hours. Everybody ran out of note paper, and it was um, it was just inspiring to watch the two of you bring such light and energy to hygiene, the hygiene world, because there's a lot of. I think there's a a decent amount of inspirational dental um, educators out there. And I just think that there's a lot of open space for the hygiene segment, people that are actually doing it. I know there's a lot of academic um, hygienists and there's a lot of people that are sponsored by different companies, 
but for two gals that are actually wet fingered doing it, producing like levels of production and collection that's up at most dental offices, um, it's inspiring. So I'm honored to have you guys. I think uh, I'm honored to be a part of it because I think hygiene and dentistry needs this. And this is really the inaugural episode of a very big program we're launching. This so tell, really us cool. what, tell us what you guys have been working on since that. So we've set that up. And so it's been a little bit of a whirlwind since Houston Summit. And, yeah. and you guys, um, so tell us what you've been up to since then. So um, can I, actually, first, I want to say thanks to both of you for kind of leading the way to and giving us the opportunity to have this partnership and for having us on the podcast. We appreciate your leadership, like from the bottom of our hearts so much. So thank you, um, you know, for being the leaders in our practices, the leaders for Sharice and I, we learn from you guys every day. So thanks for kind of going before us and doing everything and, you know, doing the hard work and laying the the foundation, like a firm foundation for us. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that we were really able to kick butt is because you guys kind of set us up for success other than the closet room on accident, but everything else. Was <laughs> so we really, we appreciate you guys. And um, Charissa, do you want to start? Do you want to tell them what we've been up to? Sure. I'd love to. And, and I, my uh, sentiments, I agree with Brittany entirely. Um, I think one of the reasons we are who we are is because we've had empowering dentists behind us that have yep. really given us the autonomy to be who we are and grow where we need to grow and supported that. And that's really, really been beneficial in our careers. And yep. um, so, yeah, you're right. We, we kind of jumped in the water in Houston and weren't really sure how this was going to go. I mean, we've been friends, but we haven't ever taught together. And so we developed material together and, and went out and just said, let's see how this goes. And it went better than I think we expected. And so we came back from that and we're like, you know, where are we going from here? And then COVID hit. And because we had two months of sitting at home doing nothing, I mean, Brittany and I became best of friends because we decided to write a book during that time. And so we put together kind of everything that that has occurred to us over our years of experience, you know, the wins, the losses, what's working, what's not, what we see is really important and, and really how to help other hygienists be their best selves so that they can help their patients be as healthy as possible and their practices be successful as possible. So we, we uh, spent a lot of time really thinking and writing and editing and, and getting it all put together and then thought, well, gosh, this book is awesome and, and great, but there's even more we want to talk about. So then we created a whole lot of video content um, that will actually kind of partner along with the book um, as, as online video training. So that's kind of been the next, the next step that we've taken. Yep. And it's, it's really um, been a hand in hand kind of initiative thing that I think has been really cool because like you said, the, you know, the book we started and kind of laid our foundation. And then I feel like the mastery videos are a lot more specific. They get to the nitty gritty, they get to the operational, the how we, you know, make things work from the ground up kind of thing. So I think it's a lot more specific and helps with all the groundwork and laying the groundwork for what Teresa and I do every day. So um, we've had a really great time though. I've had a great time collaborating with Sharissa. She's such a wealth of knowledge and she's such a great person fun to be around. So we had a great time. Yeah. And I think the two of us, we were talking about this earlier. I, I feel like we are a really good balance for each other. Um, you know, where, where I'm strong, Brittany's weak, where, where she's strong, I'm weak. Like we're really good complimentary. We have different experiences that really go to, together well. So I, I think we cover a large gamut of, of hygiene issues and, and tricks. So I got a question for both of you. <clears throat> so obviously you guys went from being maybe 
average, above average hygienist at some point in your career to being super hygienist. What was the paradigm shift? What was the click that you all of a sudden two X'd and became something that you just, you know, all of a sudden now you saw, what am I trying to say? You saw the entire mouth, like something clicked where you became, you know, let's say you were doing a hygienist doing, um, average collections, mm-hmm. right? So I think at Craig, what's probably an average collection for a hygienist, would you say mm-hmm. in, in, in the United States? I think on a yearly basis. 180 to 220 uh, maybe? Um, Brittany yeah, shaking 200, her head. Two, okay. 200. So yeah, what right. was the shift for you guys? Like what, what, what did you learn? What was the mindset? Was it something that you learned clinically? Was it something that you learned from a mindset? How did you guys all of a sudden catapult to going next level? Do you remember that inflection point that you had that changed the game? You do. Sharisa's shaking her head. Sharisa, yeah. go. let me hear your story. Um, I mean, very specifically for me, I had been practicing for about 13 years in the same practice and it was a good job and I enjoyed it and I loved my patients. Um, and then life necessitated this was pre me, me, right? This was pre you because yeah. life necessitated. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. I just um, made sure I needed to pick up an extra day of hygiene. And so I started looking around and, um, you know, saw Atlanta, Don- Atlanta dental spa needed a hygienist the same day I was looking and I thought, all right, well, let's give that a go. And, um, so when I stepped in the doors there, it was a different practice from a standpoint of, you know, the practice I had been at, we did the same CE every year. I never really learned anything new or different. Um, I was never stretched, you know, we, we didn't do a whole lot of new technology. And so when I stepped into ADS, all of a sudden you guys were so big on new CE and, and learning the new and staying current. And so that was very different for me. And one of the meetings we went to, they started talking about really talking about this oral systemic connection. And it, you know, that was intriguing to me. And then I know we ended up kind of- Well, joining. you and I were in the founding the That's founding what I was going to say. Yeah, we ended up, you know, up in Madison, Wisconsin. Craig, I was a founding member of AOS. Did you know that? Oh my God, that is amazing. Oh, thank you, buddy. Sharice <laughs> and I both were. That's right. I know, um, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Thank but you, that's, that's literally what set me on fire was when I understood that what I did on the day in and day out was more than just cleaning somebody's teeth. I wasn't a tooth janitor. I was hmm. like a life supporter, like a lifesaver. Like what I did in their mouth is going to determine, you know, I can drop their A1C by getting their perio stable, or if they've got an arthritis flare up, if we can get that inflammation in their mouth calmed down, they're going to feel better and function better. You know, we're preventing heart attack stroke when we're, when we're addressing these things. So I couldn't unsee what I saw and it, it became a good job. It turned into just an absolute passion. So that was the big shift for me. So, I, well, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm just, I want to make sure that every dentist that's listening to this, because I imagine a lot of dentists and hygienists are going to listen to this. And I want to make sure we touch upon something about dentists that are getting ready to roll their eyes right now, because there's so much discord going on that there's so many things I want to hit on, but I what want to hear mean? the defining moment. I'll, 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 I'll elaborate. I want to put mm. a small pin in it. Britt, what was your eye-opening moment, if you, if, as Peter was saying? So I had um, a couple of um, aha moments. Um, I graduated in 2012. So I feel like when I graduated, um, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of our curriculum was about the oral systemic link. I think that that wasn't the case as much leading up to that point. So I got a lot of that, um, fortunately in school. Um, And I was really, really passionate about oral systemic, like everything. I thought that that was also what set me on fire, but I got it, I think at an earlier point in my career because of the way that education has been changing, thankfully, right? According to new new research and evidence-based care. 
Um, so I got a lot of that in school. What was really disheartening for me is after I graduated, um, I did some temping um, to find out initially where I wanted to work and kind of what kind of setting that I wanted to be in. Um, and I got a lot of pushback from the docs over uh, my assessment and not because my assessment wasn't accurate, but because um, a lot of the doctors that I interacted with and experienced at that point in time were either driven by insurance, letting insurance like drive the bus and like, oh no, you know, Mrs. Jones can't have the scaling that she needs because her insurance is only going to cover a crown. And a lot of them, unfortunately, were kind of dictating treatment in that way for the patients instead of giving them the best options, letting them choose, um, make an educated decision for themselves. So that was very disheartening. Uh, I found a full-time job where I, you know, got 45 minutes per patient. I did, um, I flipped my own rooms. I did my own perio charting. Um, I kind of walked into it and um, it, it was, it was an interesting experience because, you know, medical histories weren't up to date. Uh, patients weren't being perio charted. So I was walking in and kind of like starting fresh with every patient. So that was kind of a learning opportunity for me where I got to learn how to take a practice basically from a hygiene practice, like take over hygiene practice from the ground up and kind of start educating. And I felt like at that point in my career, you know, what do I have to lose? I'm gonna educate these patients. I'm going to have open conversations with the doctor, see where things go. And, um, you know, patients were accepting the treatment that I was recommending. And so the doctor really jumped on board, to be honest, at that point, that was my first full-time experience. And it was a good experience as a learning experience, but I didn't really, you know, it was all worth it. It was all the foundation for what happened next. But um, I ended up, you know, joining Spodak about two years into my career. And that's where I really had some opportunity to be the best hygienist that I can be because I, you know, Spodak has given me the best resources available. So I have the best technology available, but also the culture and the growth and learning mindset like paints the picture and sets the tone for um, mistakes to be made for creativity. And honestly, Dr. Craig, like you have said so many times, I'm a person who operates with the best with a lot of autonomy. Like I feel like the more freedom you give me, the better that I'm gonna, the better I'm gonna perform and do. So the more you kind of said, hey Britt, here's a little thing. I trust your judgment, go ahead and, and do that. You know, and then I, I did it departmentally or just in regards to hygiene, something or other. And I said, okay, and kind of ran with it. The more you did that for me personally, and I think this goes for a lot of hygienists, the more I felt empowered to continue doing that. So as you know, the docs came in and backed up my treatment plans, as you said, hey, here's a little bit of power, run with it, do what you're gonna do. And then it was successful or the outcome was ideal. Um, I think that really jumping on board with Spodak, getting the resources, getting with docs who are thinking like, I wanna be a part of this team. I want to be engaged. I wanna formulate treatment plans with you. You're not just a tooth janitor and being in an environment where that's possible and, and we're here collaborating like that on a daily basis, that was kind of a big turning point for me. And then um, also visiting Sharisa, you know, later on in my career, I feel like I got, I feel like, first of all, I've only been practicing for eight years, but I feel like I've been on the fast track and I'm so incredibly thankful for having been on the fast track, being at Spodak Dental Group, having had the mentors that I've had, running into Sharisa, you know, you guys organized that meeting. So I'm always gonna be thankful for that. Um, Ashley and I flew up. Ashley's one of our hygienists here at Spodak. She's incredible. She's been here for several years now. Um, but she and I flew up uh, when we heard about Dr. Bolden's 
unicorn hygienist producing half a million a year. And we were like, what is she doing? Extractions? Like, <laughs> like this lady, what is she, That's what's happening? She you know, might, and uh, we went up and we were like pleasantly surprised, but a little bit like smacked in the face because we're like, we suck. We're the worst hygienists. Like this, this lady's totally ethical and she's awesome. And she's like beautiful and her patients love her and the rapport and the verbiage, you know, and we were just like so wowed by Charissa. Um, we both learned so much um, from you, Charissa. And I know that you know this, I told you like so many times, yes, um, but you. just, you know, it's cool to get out of your own space and see what's possible. Mm -hmm. And that's really what Charissa and I want to do. Um, with our book and our videos and our podcast, you know, just like open up this different space and this different way of thinking, I think. I, I think you um, nailed it right there. Right? And, and that's kind of the beauty of, of Craig and, and my relationship is that, you know, he pushes on me in areas where I'm like, whoa, I didn't even think about that because that's not the way my brain thinks. And, yeah. and you know, when I went to, you know, Spodak Dental and kind of observed, there were things that I took away that I was like, oh, this would be a great fit. You know, I'll just steal it for ADS and, and, and you guys have done vice versa. And, you know, look, there's nothing new under the sun, but I think, you know, being committed to growth and, and dropping your ego, like you did when you came up and saying, Hey, I'm here to learn. And yeah. Charissa, you're doing the same, even though Brittany, you know, has not been in the game, you know, it's only been out eight years, you know, you picked up, I, I know, because you've told me tips and tricks, things that, that you've applied. Right. So I think that's where the magic happens when you can have two people who are, who are, who are different yet equally successful, and then authentically share in a collaborative environment, that's when the magic happens, I think, right? When, yeah, you, both sure. want, when you both want each other to authentically win. Right. That's when it's awesome. So, um, Craig, I'm still haunted yeah, so, by this Discord thing you said. Yeah, so, so here's what's going right in hygiene. The last, you know, minutes that we've been on this podcast, what's going right, but I'm, I'm hearing in my head, the dentist that I'm, I see and listen to on Facebook, there is this idea and I see it a lot. I'm, I spend a lot of time like just kind of perusing and, um, you know, watching with the chat that's going down on most uh, dental chat rooms. And it's this dialogue of the hygienist is a prima donna. My hygienist doesn't want to come back after COVID. They want raises. They want hazard pay. You know what? Screw the hygienist. It's a lost leader. It doesn't work. They're prima donnas. Hygiene is not profitable. And it just breaks my heart because, you know, we know so different. And the hygiene is, is the superpower. I, I don't remember the exact word that we used, Peter, but we look at hygiene as the engine that drives the practice. <clears throat> it's who the patient has a relationship with. It's, it's and, the MVP reason. Said, right? Yeah, the MVP. Exactly. Thank you for that. And, and I got a lot of comments from them like, oh, I don't know where you're finding your hygienist from. And it, it just breaks my heart because it's almost like the, it's a car that has no wheels. If you really want to have a bulletproof dental practice, you want to have a high-performing practice, you have to come to understand the critical role that hygiene plays. And giving your hygienist some degree of autonomy at, or hiring the right people that are business owner mindset and things like that to really get this thing running because what we do as dentists and oftentimes is we, we disempower them, uh, you know, a hundred times a day. Hygienists see an area of concern. They call the doctor over. They spent a couple minutes talking with the patient about it. Doctor comes over like, that's not it. What, what are you talking about? That's, that's, that's fine. Leave that alone. We don't want, we don't need to treat that. We don't need to watch that. And then little by little, it's like a death of a thousand cuts. So, you know, hygienist the next time, like, so it's a different way. Hey, Dr. Jones, I'm kind of concerned about, don't be concerned. Where did, what dental school did you go to? And like, eventually, 
after months or weeks or years of that, you have a hygiene department that's completely like, screw it. He's not going to tell me anyway. He's actually going to tell me instead of eight patients a day, he wants me to do 20 now and that we don't need to do 45-minute profies. We should be doing 25-minute profies. And it's really caustic. And I think if we're doing our job right as Bulletproof Dental Blue, Bulletproof Hygiene, we shift the consciousness of the dental profession to understand, get an empowered hygienist, and get the dentist to understand the power of the empowered hygienist and have them work through their bullshit and get it going positively. So that's what I'm, I'm excited about because I see that, you know, there's a bunch of hygienists, you know, thousands of hygienists are going to go to see Brittany and Teresa and they're not going to get anywhere because they're going to come back all excited. And let's face it, Peter, most dentists for better or for worse are not you and I. We're not thinking this way. We're not entrepreneurial. We don't, we don't, th there's not a lot of room for this. So, so I want to dive right into that. How do we get this? How do we, if our mission is to elevate the profession in that regard, what, what are the things that the dentist that's listened thus far needs to start understanding? I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Bolden. Well, you know, as I hear you talk, I mean, do you, do you guys agree with this? I mean, from your colleagues, do you agree that some dentists are, do you agree that there's discord or conflict in an operatory? You do I hear do. that? Okay. Absolutely. Not, I do. not some. I, I, yes. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's quite common, unfortunately. I think so it's widespread. Yes. Really? Yes. I think it's widespread. Okay. And I'm going from a lot of the social forums. like I know, And I know that those are like primarily negative because people are airing their bad well, feelings. Why would them. you think that? I want to hear, Greg, I want to hear what they have to say. Why would y'all think that that would be a pervasive problem. You want to hear from us? Yes. Okay. Um, I think there are a couple of issues and one of the issues is um, what Dr. Craig said about, uh, you know, assessment and dentists kind of like coming in and minimizing the assessment mm -hmm. or the findings of the hygienist because we do, you know, leave school like with all of these like ideas and aspirations and kind of like really get the training that we need to be successful in the real world but then we get out okay. and we do this assessment you know an, an adequate assessment we take the radiographs we do the comp perio chart we take photographs we educate the patient if the dentist then comes in and pulls the rug out from under our feet and says like yeah. oh no you know none of that's none of that's concerning or no we're not going to treat that because insurance this this that like you're teaching you're teaching your hygienist you're teaching us that our assessment isn't valuable or teaching us yeah. that we're wasting time. Yeah, that's bad. And you're teaching us, you're, you're teaching us a lesson. Teresa, would you, know? you agree? And, and hygienists are smart. So we're going to learn quickly that it's not worth spending the time to do all this. Like, well, it's not I mean, smart or unsmart, like meaning like, you know, I mean, Pavlov's dogs learn that like, you know, meaning I'm not trying to say that we're, I'm saying you don't have to be smart to understand like, Hey, that didn't work out well for me. Let's not do that again. Because right, all, all I right. did was get humiliated yeah. in that experiment. Yes. And, yes. and I ran behind. So not only that, right. but now I'm running behind. I Teresa, got to no more. What's your, what's your, do you, uh, what's your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree with all of this. Um, and you know, I, I don't know all the regulations countrywide about, you know, I know in Georgia, like, you know, we are entirely dependent on the dentist coming in and making all the calls, you know? So what we say and what we do is constantly being overseen and, you know, our voice seems smaller once the doctor walks in the room. Um, I know a lot of hygienists talk about, you know, they'll go, they'll go to some CE, they'll go, you know, see some new products, they come back, they're all excited, they're talking about it, and their doctor just shuts them down right away. And so it, it becomes this, oh, well, 
I go do CE because I'm required to do that, but I'm not going to get excited about it. I'm not going to really learn anything new because I'm not going to be able to go back and use it. And I mean, I've literally heard those words from other hygienists. Um, yeah, One thing, and, I, and on top of it, and on top of it, by the way, there's this dialogue like hygienist is not allowed to diagnose or by state law, right. you can't diagnose. So does that automatically mean that if your hygienist sees an area of concern, that she should not bring it up? Because we have the opposite, Peter and I. We meet hygienists, we've met them. Now I don't do the hiring. Brittany is, is, is the person that would ascertain those skills. But I remember originally like doing working interviews and, case, and, and clinical assessment days. And I would say, well, did you see any concerning? Well, it's really not my job. I, you know, I'm not supposed to bring up anything concerning. It's and unfortunate. It's unfortunate that this is a problem that you guys hear. You know, honestly, I'm in my own echo chambers, Craig. So I, I just thought that I didn't know that kind of was going on because I don't talk to hygienists about it. But it's unfortunate that that goes on because honestly, like that's the last thing a dentist wants. It's the last thing a hygienist wants. A dentist is is, is getting up from doing his crown prep to go in and run. The last thing they want is a is a, frick, a, a, a hygiene check that has friction in it, right? And so what I think the downfall is, is that, you know, you know, and I hate this word role play, but I think that a lot of offices, they just get into the game and they haven't practiced and they haven't done role playing and saying, hey, what would you do in this scenario? Because Sharissa, there have been many times when I've done a check on, on you and you and I have not agreed, but guess what? Guess who couldn't tell the difference? The patient. The patient. Right. So we waited. We, we are on stage. And Craig, I'll yeah. never forget when you introduced me to the book and you had that conversation, you know, what would Disney do? So the, so the patient satisfaction, the patient experience is predicated on how well the doctor and the hygienist get along. The time to have discord is not in front of the patient. Right. Right. And but, by the way, that's not that's not heavy duty acting. It's, hey, Sharissa, I totally see why that concerns you. It's verbiage. Yeah. And, but thank, if you, and thanks for bringing that up right. because that. That's the type of thing I need you to be looking for. So yeah. thank you. And, right, but you Craig, know, but most I, people I aren't that, can't think on their fly like on the fly of that, right? Yeah. So because all they get is rattled by the fact that did my hygienist just diagnose? It's like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah, thanks for that suggestion. That you know what? I will keep an eye on that. But right now, I'm more concerned with number three or something. Right? There's yeah. way to to flex your academic prowess as a dentist, if you will without belittling the hygienist and without destroying the experience of the patient who is the monkey in the middle of feeling super sweaty back awkward now. <laughs> Mom and dad are fighting. Right, like this is weird. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm finding a new practice because this is weird. And honestly, right. you guys, let me tell you something. If you're dentist listening and you, and you are at all a little bit rude to your hygienist, patients are going to get pissed because I promise you, they probably like that hygienist more than they like you. Maybe. Well, they know her name and they know everything about her. Oh, they had, they you know, like they're more of a relationship. They spend more yeah. time, like they see them on a regular basis, right? And again, I don't want to get hate mail on that. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't want to go toe to toe with, uh, with seeing who Sharissa's patients like her, her or me with that. Um, because... I, I want to say too. Oh, go ahead, Britt. No, well, we're co-diagnosticians. So like, you know, hygienists are licensed healthcare providers and so are dentists. And we're working under the umbrella of the dentist license, right? So at the end of the day, no, I can't move forward if Dr. Craig disagrees with me and says, no, that's not the right treatment for Mrs. Jones right now. But if, you know, just back to the reinforcing point, like if you're training me that my assessment isn't going to be validated or it's not going to be reinforced, you're not going to tell me that was worth my time, then we're going to stop doing it kind of thing. Um, I don't know if you guys want to get into, Teresa, do you want to share a little bit? I about guess, Brittany, what, I'm, what I want to drive home is there's no practicing going out 
at all. Meaning the only time we're actually having that dialogue is actually when it's live in the game of a patient being there. There's, I don't hear people saying, Hey, let's, let's run this scenario. Let's role play this. Let's, let's practice our, you know, trust transfers. Let's do all these things. Right. And these are benefiting these. And honestly, when you do that, it makes the game quote unquote, much less friction has much less friction. Your, Your appointments go in, you enroll treatment from your hygiene check that only took five minutes. It was very comprehensive and you're back to your crown prep. Instead you walked in, you came in, you squawked, you shit on everyone and then you left. And then everyone feels like, what the hell is that? Yeah. What the hell just happened? Well, and I think that, yes, you're right. You need to practice. You need to learn the skills you need to practice. But I think before even that comes the mindset Okay. Because how many dentists do you know? And, and we as hygienists have felt this a thousand times where you go to your dentist, you need an exam and you feel like you're bothering them. You feel like, like you feel like the dentist thinks, Oh God, I'm in the middle of doing work. I got to get up and go check this hygiene exam. And, and especially like Craig said, if they don't view hygiene, if they view their hygiene department as a loss leader, then to them, that's just a nuisance. And, and you feel that as a hygienist. Yeah. Well, and that's just part of the game, right? Like, honestly, let's be real. Sometimes it is a pain in the ass because you're oh, in flow, you're in right. that zone. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm like feeling magic. Then all of a sudden you feel a tap on your shoulder and it's, you're breaking us out of an artistic creation, right? We're, right. we're sometimes in this flow and it's hard to describe. And so, yes, it is hard to say, okay, oh, let me shake that. And now let me go in and be, you know, um, it's hard. Yeah, it, uh, it is hard. Uh, it is, the person yeah, it's hard to like go from, you know, put, let me put this hat on now. So right. I do. But no, s- we understand that as hygienists okay. too. We understand when we're going to get you that, it, you know, we don't like interrupting either. We don't like being interrupted. Like we totally get that. But at the same thing, we're at your mercy. We got it. We got to right. have, we got to right. have that happen. So I think the mentality, you've got to embrace the mentality of your hygiene department can be a rock star department. You've got to give them the autonomy. You've got to do the practice. You've got to have all the role play because here's the thing. Say you get interrupted and you go down the hall and you do the exam, but because you've, you've perfected your, your communication and your technique, you bobblehead what your hygienist just said mm-hmm. they needed. And then you're back to doing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And nobody, everybody felt empowered. Everybody felt respected. So it, it's a whole it's a whole program of getting everybody where they need to be, but there's a lot of steps. And I think, yeah, I feel like it's, it's all, easy. The, it's all the magic that you practice and intensely, you know, work on and the, the relationship and the respect that makes the magic. Like in right. our practice in any given moment um, on any given day, rather, I am asked by several hygienists, Hey, can you come in and meet a patient in op five? They are ready to go for Invisalign. I've told them everything. They, they know the money. They're ready to go. I just need you to put your eyes on them. That's what the conversation is. I'm like, oh, okay. And I walk in and the outcome simulator has been done and financing has been talked about and everything's wrapped up and done. But that is the magic. That's the final step. That's the champagne moment of mm. all the work that we've done. And everybody else is like, oh, well, my hygienist, because I live in Spokane, they don't do that here. And you hear that so much and that's such bullshit. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it just comes down from what Teresa was saying, having the understanding and the belief people feel what you believe. So if you really freaking hate your hygienist, you really feel like they're paying the ass and that they're overpaid and they shouldn't be. And they're always asking for more and more and more Then maybe they're going to feel that. And, and I think also when you get into like a lot of the dialogues about money, like, Oh, hygienists here want so much money. I'm like, well, geez, I mean, if they can produce, you know, you can't say that, 30, 40, 50, $60 an hour is too much. You could, you could have a hygienist that makes 50 bucks an hour and she could be the biggest win for the practice ever. And you could have someone that's $26 an hour and she could be bleeding the practice dry. 
Mm-hmm. So people bring different value to the hour. And I think a lot of it is from this idea that I think the hyg- from the hygienist, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about what the doctor's misunderstanding. From doctor. a loss leader perspective, hy- you're thinking. Yeah, and now let's go to the, now let's go to the hygienist side. Mm-hmm. They think like, oh, well, you know, there's no right. overhead and I'm bringing all the stuff. And so it, it's caustic on both ends. So we, we got a lot of work to do here in this yeah. whole thing. I agree. Sorry. I just have, I just wanted to say like, you know, when the dentist has the opportunity to like be in the zone and has that restorative, like productive appointment, a lot of that comes from hygiene though. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. If, if all this stuff is perfected, like the dentist is able to do a full mouth rehab or able No, to- no, of course. That's not, trust me, that's not lost on us. I'm just saying like when you no, get in the flow. Not, I know it's not lost on you, but I think that it can get lost in the hustle and bustle of like every single day. You know, the hygiene checks are why your schedule's filled next week. You know, so I think that's- 100%. Yeah, and we noticed that by the way. So we've yeah. seen number of periodic exams in our practice because we haven't always had willing doctors that will jump up. Uh, when the periodic exam is needed and we have a multi-doctor practice. So sometimes hygienists will go to the people who always say yes, but we've seen number of periodic exams and production Mm -hmm. directly proportional to each other. So like, you know, we're fascinated. We're we're, we the enigma and the the admiration of the new patient. We're so excited about it. When we know out of the hygiene room after Sharissa, Brittany or hygienists have spent 45 minutes talking about their treatment, the case acceptance is through the roof. But yet we're going to run over it for that new patient who we don't even know. Mm. And we think that's all the beauty and all the glory lies in the new patient. It's just not true. So the patient that's in your chair is the one you need to focus on. And that's another thing as well. Well, I think too, Brittany, you bring up a good point that sometimes high, you know, Craig, you said the, the loss leader, right? And if you not run the straight up numbers of what the hygienist collects versus what they're paid, sometimes dentists get grumpy pants when they look at a P&L and say, God, this doesn't work. But they forget the ancillary benefit of, wow, yeah. you know, because- Honestly, we have hygienists that maybe are not producing like Charissa, but guess what? They're putting a ton of restorative on the books. And that's equally as valuable to the to the to the ecosystem, to the yeah. practice. Right. And so um But you I think you'll wind up having it all. I just wanna I just of think course, you know, that, that's, department, the, that's the and triple they, threat. They're, and they're and they're well, if they're producing well, it's because they're talking whole mouth, whole body. And just because SRP Paraprotect doesn't fit or whatever they're, whatever they sell on their shelf, their high, their therapeutic things that they sell, it opens up the conversation to mm. malocclusion, to okay. mouth breathing, to sleep Great. apnea. So you can't have one without the other. If you have a highly productive hygienist who's ethical and well-educated, she can't or he can't help themselves from selling big cases of dentistry because the questions are being asked. As long oh, as you have that. our backs. Yeah, as long as you come in and, and totally like slam dunk it for us, like you said, like we're, I, I feel like, and I feel, I think this is true across the table. Like we're willing to do the work. The work doesn't scare us as long as it's like, I can trust Dr. Craig to come in after me after I've spent all this time educating the patient. They already believe me. And you just and say, not shit the, the bed. Yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. Not like, unsell yes, it. Please, you know? Just don't, all you have to do is don't unsell the treatment that I've already enrolled. Yeah. Just don't, don't unsell it. Anything, just come They're in ready to go for a misalign. Sign it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Well, yeah, that's, but it is, uh, it is a cycle, I think. It all is intertwined. All right. So, Greg, keep keep going with your uh, keep going with your thought process here. Well, so that's I think that's the one thing. So just having um, a hygiene department that really you know cares about the long term, you know, the best the best treatment, and dedicates to the right thing and constantly pursuing education, growth mindset, you know, under wanting to take on new skills, but also one of the wild cards is 
I, I believe that compensation drives behavior as well. And I do believe that there are dedicated people. We're all dedicated. We all do the right thing. But if you have a certain unit of time that's allocated for your procedure, imagine if every dentist could only do one hour appointments for a second. So imagine if every dentist, the way, let's say socialized medicine takes over and the you know, United States Health Department says, all dentists can see one patient for one hour. You have to see eight patients a day, one hour. What would your dentistry look like? It would be different. It would be really different because you, you have to treat to time constraints. Be functional. So one of the things, I'm sorry? Be functional. Well, Just what kidding. we've done is our hygiene in. department runs on, you know, we want to take the very best care of a patient. And that could mean that you have to take control of your schedule. So Brittany may just decide to come in on a day off for two patients or three patients or recognize this patient needs really a lot of, you know, we have handicapped patients who can't get out of wheelchairs and they may want to take an hour and a half or two hours of them and pull in a hygiene assistant and all that stuff. And we have the hygiene department thinking like a business owner saying, what do you think the right thing to do is? So if you just spend three hours on a patient, you know, to do a profi, should it be $70, $80? We have to think about this stuff. We also, and, and, you, you have to allow your team to make the mistakes because if they get in trouble early on, if they come to you, if you have a bright, you know, new um, team member, they come to you with an idea and you squash it. It will take you weeks, if not months, if mm -hmm. not forever to rebuild to the confidence to do that. And the same thing with finances too. So we'll have conversations about like, you know, I've had told Brittany like, hey, this guy, you know, Gus wants to come in and he just, he wants a cleaning and we're booked up for like six weeks and, you know, you want to accommodate him? Like he, you know, he, and she'll have a business conversation. I can come in on a, on a Friday if you need me to and I can do that and it's going to be blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm not worried about that. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I'll, I'll have you come in for that. Oh, and can you do white and can you stay later? Yeah, I can do that too. So it, it just creates a more fluid, autonomous business environment for them to have. I mean, and we're talking obviously fee-for-service, out-of-network type patients, but there's things you can do as well in insurance environments. So sure, you guys both train others and lead other hygienists. Where have you seen the biggest change where someone, where a hygienist was stuck and all of a sudden you made a breakthrough with them and they saw the forest from the tree and all of a sudden now it was a different hygienist. Like, where have you seen that being the case? For me, um, yes. I do the hygienist quarterly reviews and I do some like hiring and onboarding and things. And it was one of our um, quarterly reviews where we, you know, review feedback from the doctors, review qualitative and quantitative goals. We kind of see where we are for the year um, and how we're going to proceed and move forward and meet and exceed goals. So I was having a review with Ashley and she's giving me permission to share this story. Um, she was having a real hard time with presenting PerioProtect and it's because she had this belief about selling in her head. You know, she had this like feeling about quote unquote selling and being sold um, something. And she had a belief about, you know, money and what's a lot of money and is it a lot to me, you know, and kind of projecting those things and her beliefs onto the patient. So she was her own self-limiting factor. And she'll say this, you know, openly, and we all have been this to ourselves, I think, but she was, she would use pre-framing pre -framing verbiage when she was talking about perioprotect, like it's expensive. 
or it's, you know, it's, it's $1,100, like, you know, and she would make it like this thing um, before she knew if it was a thing for the patient. So she would like create a barrier before the patient even communicated that money would be a barrier. And she made an assumption about what the patient can and can't afford or does and doesn't value before the patient was educated and had all the information to make a decision, you know? So in our meeting, we talked about that and kind of like where that belief came from. And she said, you know, it's, it's my feelings and my beliefs about selling. And we kind of went back to Ashley's why, what, you know, her why for doing hygiene and her why for selling Perio Protect mm-hmm. or enrolling patients in Perio Protect is because she wants the best for them. She does. That's why she went to hygiene school. She wants to take the very best care of patients. She believes in what she's doing. She's read the science. She knows the shit. Like she knows everything from start to finish clinically. She's, she's brilliant, you know, and she was her own self-limitation. Like she was, she was just limiting herself. So we made, um, a, and like an affirming statement, you know, where I said, okay, well, these are all like the lies in what you're believing about selling and perio protect and all this stuff. These are all the lies. Do you agree? Are these the lies that you're believing? Yes. Um, and then she came up with her own like self-affirming verbiage. Mm-hmm. Like I, I am a great provider, you know, I'm here to take the very best care of my patients. When I talk to them about perio protect, it's because I want what's best for them. And for her, that was like an aha moment. And her numbers and perio protect did end up changing and went through the roof because she remembered why. You know, she, she went back to the foundation, remembered why she's doing what she's doing. She was motivated. She knew that her affirming statement was true, you know, and the things that she was believing about uh, numbers and money were false. And she, they're just projections of her own beliefs about those things. So I think that was a huge aha moment for her. And I think that happens for a lot of, I've seen that happen. I want to, I want to add to that because that's not just a hygiene thing. Right. So, so there's a lot of dentists out there. First of all, if you, if you provide me with less quality treatment because you see I'm wearing a t-shirt or maybe, you know, I, 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 you're judging me that I can't afford something. I'm sorry, a a hoodie. hoodie, whatever, you know, it, it, dentistry is a lot like a roof repair, for example, like there's a leaking roof that you could just shove some caulk in there. And then one day you're having Thanksgiving dinner, one, two, three, five years from now, and your whole fucking roof falls in on you. And not only that, but you're and Ed, Edna dies as well. Because it did it, it wasn't taken care of properly. And you owe it is not about you. And it's not about paraprotect or if it's an MODBL F composite. You owe it to your patients. And my dad always like beat this into me. You owe them the best. You have to tell them the best. Let them tell you they don't want it. Because even if they don't have a lot of money, people that value their teeth will find the money. And it's People feel what you believe. And if you really believe whether it's prayer protect SRP or, you know, or, or a crown or doing something right for a patient, if you have that in your head and you feel like that sweaty back before you present it, you've got to resolve that because you're making it about yourself. And if you've gotten to healthcare, it ain't about you. It's about serving people. And yep. once you get that through your head, that this is not about you. I have to offer my patients the best and let them decide what they value. I know a lot of very, very wealthy people that drive Bentleys and they have terrible teeth. Just like like I, I have enough money that I could buy a lot of the things that I want. But was I that a, was that a flex? Is that a yeah, humble it was, flex? It's a humble humble flex. Okay, and I, I, went to I have money. Depot. I could buy things too. Stop, stop interrupting me. So hashtag flex. So I went to Home Depot the other day because I needed like a, an automatic compressor to fill up my bike tires. There's a compressor for five hundred and fifty bucks. There's a compressor for fifty nine dollars. I have the money to buy a fancy compressor, but I don't really value compressors. I figure I'll own that compressor. If it pump, doesn't pump up my, the beach toys, I'll throw it away. Some people feel that way about their teeth. And some people, you buy them a house plant, and six weeks later, the house plant is dead. 
Not everybody's a candidate to own a house plant. Not everybody's a candidate to own their teeth. <clears throat> and I really believe that. And you don't ever want to value what they think. Because I've had construction workers that made very little money that had immaculate teeth. And I've had people in Bentleys that don't. And I think this so is So don't judge a book by its cover. Okay, my turn. No, no my turn. it's not about that, dude. Don't judge a book it's by its cover, that. everybody. Give the best. Uh, I am going to screenshot what you put in the every You girl, better not. Look in the chat right now. You better look not. Look at what he's put in there. <laughs> That, All right, so y'all not only taunting me verbally right now, but in our chat, he's making comments that I'll, I, I love him too much to tell you what Craig. they are. But you would lose a lot of respect in half our audience. Oh, uh, whatever. Hey, so listen, Brittany, <laughs> what, right, some, something that something that you uh, said, you know, the selling, and we've addressed that copiously here because, right, dentists. I know dentists who get physically upset when you say, "I'm not selling." Stop saying selling. Right. I'm educating and in, in right. And so we've gotten beyond that. And look, um, we don't mean selling it, it, and 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 you guys don't either, it, any form of manipulation or doing something that benefits you. You're selling because you know what lies on the other side for the impact of the patient, right? So you're you're quote unquote selling because you feel passionately about getting them becoming the guide. Uh, and then being the hero in the story. And and so that's right. you're Peter, selling you the story. What? You're not selling it from a financial. What? Do you know how much money the government spends to sell people to not text and drive? Do you know how much money the government spends to sell people to stop smoking? Or or wear your seatbelt? Selling's also criminalized. It's a criminalized word, though, because selling, you know, is an it's an exchanging of like services, kind of like it can almost be like bartering. Well, like, look, it's one. Per, it's almost like one person. The connotation is one person won and one person lost. It's a scenario, right? right. And right. that's and not the not case when you use is. that term. It's, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's just not a bad word, but I think that we've made it a bad word. We made it this taboo thing, but it's not like I am proud to say all along that we sell well-being. Like, I want my patients to say yes to the treatment. I was just having sweaty back for a second. And I wanted to, in case we had some new listeners on the scene that they were like, wait, wait a second. What is this selling you speak of? We're dentists. We don't say that. No. And you know, unclick, bad review, unsubscribe, a bad review. You do have PNL. You do have to keep the lights on. You do have to keep the doors open, but all of that will happen if you have like all this culture stuff. Yeah, but you can do well in life by doing good. It will follow naturally. So. Yeah, 100%. But there are a lot of people that would get freaked out about that stuff. All right, all right. We hope everyone is getting massive value from listening to this podcast. If you are, we're going to ask a couple things in return. First, review us on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, the easiest way is to pick up your phone, open the podcast app, click on the album art, and then scroll all the way through the episodes and you'll see review at the bottom. Go ahead and bang out the stars that we deserve. Second thing, if you haven't signed up for our text uh, list to get notified of special offers or the next summit or whatever it may be, uh, make sure to text the words BULLETPROOF to 33777. That's 33777 and the word is BULLETPROOF. Third thing is we've got the book, as most of you all know, but we've also got the audible version that Dr. Spodak spent three days in studio and it was an arduous task and he crushed it. He really should be an audible book episode. That's it, everyone. Hope you're having a great day and we'll see you soon. Two things that you guys both exhibit, and I can speak because I know this because Craig and I talk about it, is that you exhibit an owner, even though you're not owners of the practice, quote unquote, right? At the, that you guys ha- exhibit an ownership mentality. Um, Sharissa, how did you, how did you get that? I mean, was that something, did you have that at your previous practice is where I'm going? 
I did not. And okay. I think if I'm being honest and, and uh, this is not just to, to make you feel good, but I think you were a big part of that because okay. you gave me the respect and the autonomy to do what I needed to do. And that becomes very empowering. And you realize, because let, let's be honest, I don't, I know that you've heard me say this before and it's really, really true. When I was looking for another practice to hire me one day, mm -hmm. when I looked at the website at Atlanta Dental Spa, I literally said to my husband, I could never work there. That looks way too nice. I'm not good enough mm. for that. And that's where I was when I started there. So it, it was a little culture shock to me at the beginning. And I felt like I almost felt like I was faking it when I was there. I was like, it's one of those fake it till you make it things. But the longer I was there and the more I was empowered and, and encouraged and, and given the tools and the respect, the more I grew into that and realized, gosh, this really feels good. Like I'm really taking care of my patients. Mm -hmm. And now I do have an, intone, an owner mentality, a protect this house mentality, mm -hmm. not, on, not only because I am appreciative of what, what's been bestowed on me, but also because of what I get to do for my patients. I'm not just, I don't have just an owner mentality for the practice itself, but for my patients and what I'm doing for them. And I know I can't do that without sitting, you know, standing at, at, in Atlanta Dental Spa. So to me, I want to do everything I can to make the practice as successful and functional and healthy as possible so that we can keep getting patients healthy. Yep. Yep. Brittany, what about you? Um, so for me, a lot of it is exactly what Teresa just said. And going back to talking about, um, you know, just feedback from the doctors and being, you know, reinforcing the work that we're doing. Um, for me too, I think that the way that we are compensated uh, Sharice and I are compensated based on commission, you know, so it ties our, what we do every day to what we take home in our paychecks. So that just means that we're willing to work smarter, not harder to find the best way to do things. To, A percentage of your collections, right? Yeah, percentage not of your yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, that sounds a little another, more friendly another than commissions. Word, by the way. So it's like immediate, it's, it's, it's kind of immediate gratification. It's just gratification. It's like you're getting paid exactly the amount for the work that you do, but also like Dr. Craig mentioned earlier, because I'm compensated according to the, the exact work that I do, I am willing to come in on a day off and see a specific patient. And that takes the very best care of them, the very best care of the team, the very best care of the practice, the very best care of me at the end of the day, and everyone gets what they want. It's that triple win. Um, and, you know, being on commission base too, I think helps people to gain an ownership mentality in the sense that they're willing to take on a role of like ownership over the department and over operations and over big picture things, because I know that at the end of the day, it'll benefit everyone and that I will also benefit from it later on. So for instance, like when, when I took the time and updated our standard operating procedures, or I took the time and created, um, you know, quarterly reviews or whatever. Like I knew that these things would like help our department like regulate basically. Or when I took the time to onboard things or me and the hygienist took time to onboard perioprotect or salivary testing or whatever, like I know that that's going to be what's best for the patient. That's what interests me initially. And that's what interests Teresa initially. I know it's going to be good for the team, the practice. We're, you know, on, on top of the latest technology, we're providing the very best care. And at the end of the day, it's going to pay off for me too. Look, I mean, that just, that just goes back to, you know, something that we talk about, like relationships are unsustainable if only one person is winning continuously. Right. So if, if you're working your ass off and the practice is the only recipient of that, of that hard work, 
then eventually it's an unsustainable, right? It's not, it doesn't work. So we talk about in our world as kind of a triple win. Like the practice has to win, the owner has to win, the owners have to win. And, uh, and then the, the team member has to win, you know, who's, who's, who's taking, and, but it's not just a me, me, me scenario. So like you said, there's you leaning into the, the whole environment lifts you up vicariously as well. You know, so the, the business is doing better. So you, you know, you guys have your lunches and you have yeah. your bonuses and right. And, and everyone's leaning in and, and literally, and that's the definition of teamwork. And I see so many people saying, Oh, we're a team, we're a team. And then you peel back one layer and it's a shit show and it's chaos and yeah. it's everyone. And it's a me, it's a, it's a all, you know, it's a everyone out for themselves scenario. But we say like, Oh, we're a team. And then you, you, you like I said, you don't, it's, it's inauthentic. So true teamwork is doing something to make the entire boat, like Craig, like you were right. typing in the chat, uh, that a rising tide floats all ships. There you go. But I think it's, I think it's pre the first person that's got to win in any business is, I mean, in the dental business is the patient. And I've had team members uh, many times say, we can't have this person here. We can't have this doctor here. I don't, I'm worried about what they're doing. So there's such like, if we think about like, I just had an experience of the other day, my buddy Randy and Jojo, Johanna, Jojo, Randy had a surgical procedure and every couple of days he had a tough time. Jojo's like, did you call your buddy Randy? Did you call Randy? Did you call Randy? So compensation drives behavior and I get that, but Brittany was not on any type of um, additional compensation beyond her hourly rate when she came to join us. It was her as a person and we get to know our people. We don't just say, oh yeah, be an entrepreneur, come over here. We gotta get to know you and understand who you are. And you can't work in our office unless you're at like the NDA level. Yeah, um, no, the integrity so, and the values have to match up first. Like that's first, what the foundation first. is. That's first, no yeah. matter what ethical and care. It takes a long time. It takes yeah. time, by the way, to get to that point. So if anybody's hearing this, you got, you know, young Dennis who just graduated and you're thinking about a, a hygienist, bring them on, get to know them first. We're talking about, you know, a 10 step relationship. And the compensation portion of the relationship is steps seven, eight, nine. Right. Yeah. Got to go through steps one through six. You got to get on the same page. So we just I want to make sure I clarify something because I'm having sweaty back in my own skin. The triple win is like Craig, you nailed it. Is the patient, the team member, and and then the practice, right? So if Correct. all three yeah. of those, if all three of those units are winning, then it's a sustainable thing, and you're doing good work, and everybody. Because winning. if the patient doesn't win. Right. They'll feel it. It's a move. They'll be it's pissed yeah. and they'll be, they'll be really upset. And it's not, so sustainable. It's always what was and it's not sustainable. I feel like, I feel like honestly, this topic is like taboo, like talking about compensation, talking about collections. Talking yeah. About I'm tired of it. Quite but, honestly. Can but we move honestly, on? Though, it's like you have to, you have to think about everything, like, like the triple win and keeping the lights on and all this stuff. It shouldn't, it just shouldn't be a bad conversation. It's not, you know, especially when we're talking providing the very best care, being ethical providers, like doing what we love to do. And then income and profitability being the, the side effect of that, you know, which is how it should be. That's sustainable. You know, that's, that's passionate practice. That's, I don't know. That's, that's why we are driven to like keep learning and doing our very best, you know, but it does start with the patient and what's best for them. And then it kind of like trickles down from there. Okay. Brittany, if you knew a hygienist was struggling out there listening to this and they're hearing what you're saying and they're just, and they're literally feeling unfulfilled and they feel like they're just, you know, it's literally wake up and do the same thing. Groundhog day, scraping teeth, go home, great. And they're feeling unfulfilled and they, and they don't love hygiene anymore. What's the one thing you would tell them? And Teresa, you can get ready for this answer too. But what's the one thing you would say, go do this. And, and don't and, say, go 
reflect on why you got in this in the first place. Okay. What if, what, what if that, sh- what if that was, well, it was a good job and it was, and you know, I, I liked the, in- I liked what it was going to provide from an income standpoint. What if it wasn't this deep if, why that you have, like, I want to help people I'm just playing devil's that, advocate. Then I would say, reflect on the moment that you fell in love. If you're noticing that you don't love it anymore, then there had to be a, a point a that point you, were, when you did point in time when you're passionate about it and point in time when you did. So maybe reflect on the point, like Sharisa was mentioning, which came to Atlanta dental spa, or like I was mentioning okay. when we had those, like, like, uh, switches you know the switch Mm -hmm. the aha moment or whatever what was it that lit that passion at that moment in time reflect on that and revisit it because it's like being in a long-term relationship like you kind of have to remind yourself what made you fall in love with that person or you know what what why you're still in it kind of thing and just reignite your passion so I think sometimes reflecting on that writing it down is really helpful for me it's really helpful to reflect and journal and just say like I remember when I got in this, this, these were my feelings. These were my thoughts. These were my goals. These are my dreams. This is my why this is in, in my heart, why I'm doing this. And then kind of get back to the basics of that, you know, kind of like, look at what was it that, that made me refreshed or made me excited. I need more of that, you know, and be intentional about getting more of that, whatever it is, okay. whether it's mentorship or CE, like the AOSH thing, whether it's, you know, considering, do I need partnership in some way? Do I need collaboration with someone? Do I need to listen to bulletproof hygiene? You know, no matter what it is. <laughs> um, Cool. That's a good answer. So good I would answer. say go back to the drawing board. Back to the back to the drawing board. Like it. All right, Sharisa. Well, of course, Brittany stole my answer because we share a brain. And 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 seriously, no joke. Like just starting off the new year, I am currently meeting with our hygienists of uh, at Atlanta Dental Spa individually, and I asked them all to answer five questions for me. And the number one was, "Tell me your why. Why do you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Why are you doing this every day?" What are so, some of the other ones? Out of curiosity. Uh, loving to take care of their patients, connecting with their patients, um, mm-hmm. being able to support their family. Um, those, those were the resounding ones, really, you know, connecting with patients and taking care of them. And I think that's most hygienist wise. So since Brittany stole my answer, I would say second to that is, you know, it's, this is life where things kind of get boring and get stale. So my question would be, what have you done new lately? What have you learned new lately? If there's been nothing new, get out there and look around. There's a lot of really cool stuff out there right now um, outside of just scraping teeth, obviously. So, you know, look around for something new. And, and you know, of course, I'm going to plug Brittany and I because we're, we're throwing a lot of really new, new ideas out there. But if you haven't done anything lately out of the box, look around to see what's out there. Are you guys, obviously you guys are launching a podcast. Will you be going over more something clinical or, I mean, will you be going over some of these things? Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. What about the book? What about the book? Do you have, I mean, you wrote, I mean, do, is it more clinical? Like Craig's, Craig and I, Craig and mine, Craig and I, Craig and my book was not very clinical um, at all. Because there were so many, you know, we we are. I have a bookshelf full of clinical books, right? But there wasn't any that we felt like were the messaging was different. So, what does your book consist of? It is foundational from a team aspect, like how to construct the entire team, how mm-hmm. to um, enhance culture, how to have a vision, how to reach your goals, set goals, um, how to um, implement. Kind of, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for? Someone keeps you accountability. Mm-hmm. Also clinical. Yeah, we go through lots of clinical stuff. Sharice is like the guru on all things clinical. She put, you know, her 24 years of hygiene brain 
and knowledge in there. So it's, it's everything from A to Z. And then like we mentioned earlier, if you want like a deeper dive or someone wants more meticulous information or specific information, the videos are where you got to go for that. And of course, we talk a lot about, you know, verbiage and how to enroll patients and, you know, educating to understanding, you know, looking at where productivity really comes from in the hygiene chair, uh, really breaking that down and giving some really good solid how to's in, in all of that. You know, I, I beat on that drum a ton on the podcast, y'all, for, from a dentist perspective. Um, you know, Craig was gifted with that from a, just a, you know, you were just gifted from birth, kind of being able to talk to people and being gregarious and right, enrolling people and people liking you. But I think that I, I say that I had to learn it more from an enrollment standpoint and, and be um, the verbiage, you know, I had to really be almost scripted in the beginning because I would kind of just, I felt like I shit the bed. I'd go in there and be like, well, what, what did I even talk? Well, I was even talking about that. I started talking about gross debridements and crowns and malocclusion and people didn't, you know, it felt disconnected. And so I think it takes a lot of practice is where I'm going. And, and Teresa, I would say, and, and you guys would say that I want to hear if, if this statement is true, that the most successful hygienists that you see are really great at communication. Absolutely. Okay. The most successful people on the yes. planet are good at communication. Your quality of communication predicates the quality of your life. Everything's relationships. Yeah. I had one of our doctors, Dr. Myra, the other day, like had like a little bit of a thing communicating with the patient and the patient just wanted to be, you know, wasn't Myra was looking to like fix the situation. All the patient wanted to do was be heard. Right. And the patient was getting really, really upset. She's like, I'm trying to fix them. Like, no, no, no. She just wants you to, she just wants your presence. And she had her presence and she like had the most emotional breakthrough. I'm like, you know, turn this patient who was really, really upset to really, really happy and did nothing. So uh, communication is key. I would argue um, too, that we always focus on, let me go learn the Perio Pro. Let me go learn Perio Protect. Let me go do this. And we forget about the fact that like, that is the, to me, that's always almost, even in dentistry, Craig, the lowest hanging fruit for us to do more, make better impact with people is to learn the art of that communication, right? Learn the art of delivery, learn the art of patient benefited verbiage, learn, learn, learn body language, you know, yep. learn how to read your patient, learn how to read your patient, yep. right? Because they're uncomfortable more than likely in that chair, but you need to pick up on that. If you steamroll them, it, no one wins, right? They definitely don't win from that because they clam up. So, and, and I think we, we gloss over that in our education and even our postgraduate education. I think we just say, yeah, let me go, let me go do this implant course or whatever. And, um, I, I, you know, we I'm default a, to the mechanics. We always default to the mechanics. Of course. We're, we're scientists and we default to the mechanics and it's not, it's the art. The art is where the, the people show their mastery and yeah. the art of things. Um, and I think also like, you know, there's a lot of relationships that go stale both in, in your personal life and your work life. People get stuck in habits and there's no better way to re-energize what you're doing than, than taking some continued education, revamping the way you do things. Mm -hmm. And there might be a dentist or hygienist that's listening to this, or maybe a team, you know, God willing, it's a team, and they can all decide, let's start over, let's start new. Um, I've, I've uh, done a lot of stuff, you know, personal development stuff and coaching and stuff like that. I've taken my wife to things and my wife and I have split apart like at an event and halfway through it, come back together, like with like tears in her eyes, like, Oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And, and it shifts our relationship. It makes it better. So the beautiful thing, and this sounds like a perfect plug, but it just so happens the timing works out. July 9th is our bulletproof hygiene. And I'm sorry, bulletproof summit. And we're doing bulletproof hygiene. So imagine the beauty of 
having the hygienist go off, you know, there's going to be a lot of common time where we're all like talking about like how to create the practice of dreams and how to make it bulletproof. And then everybody goes off in their own silos. So office managers and team will go off in one area. Hygienists will go off another and the dentist come off in another. And those, those breakout sessions, we come back together because a hygienist can go to the AOSH thing. A dentist can go to mm-hmm. COIT and you come back. Everybody's fucking fired up on Monday. And guess what? By Thursday, same crap. If you want to make massive changes in your way of life and the way you do things, it has to be immersive and together and holistic. You have and to create point, alignment. You have to create alignment. Yes. And no one's doing that. Like yep. there's great dental seminars. I'm not yep. saying we're the only gig in town. And there's, there's, I'm sure there's decent hygiene stuff. I just don't know it. So I'm sorry for being disrespectful. I just, I haven't seen anything in hygiene. I'm like, oh shit. So that's why I'm so excited about bulletproof hygiene. But when you combine it all together, that's where the power can be expressed. And that's what I'm so excited about, about that. Yeah. I and that's have... why we had to have yeah. bulletproof hygiene. It really, how could I we, agree. How it was that a necessity. Not? We really saw that that being a big um, problem in the industry, Craig, like you're saying, Craig, everyone comes fired. Everyone goes to their CE, comes fired up and then they get, and then the person on the receiving end is like, settle down. What are you talking about? I wasn't there. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, like you said, Greg, by the way, it happens at Tony Robbins seminars. Mm-hmm. Like there's what the date with destiny is called date with divorce. So spouse goes off, goes to this immersive training, comes back. Life's going to be amazing. Oh my God, I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to take better care. I'm going to be a better husband, a better wife. And the spouse was like, what the hell's wrong with you? I want the old guy back. Cause we, we would rather have familiarity some of us, certain and change is hard. Do. Change is hard. Change is hard. But if you change the team, that's cool mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, uh, that's that's growth. Plug, but that's growth. <laughs> Can I touch yeah, on exactly. communication for a second? Sure. I'm just thinking of. I want to really encourage people who don't feel like they're because we started talking about just communication and how it's practiced and verbiage and all that stuff. Like, I feel like really people need to be reminded. And I know that I need to be reminded um, that if you're not like a naturally gifted communicator, too, that's something that can be learned. And they are like skills because I don't feel that I'm naturally gifted like Dr. Craig is like he has the gift of gab and he can walk in and kind of like enroll someone immediately and be their best friend and, you know, have, you know, immediate rapport. I know that some of that is practice, but it is kind of like a little bit of his automatic too. You know, he is naturally a little bit like that. And I'm a person who has to work at it more. I have to learn the verbiage behind the scenes, practice it for myself, you know, have repetition and then repetition. make it my own yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. It has and to be practiced and repetitive. And a lot of people, you know, don't love that either because then they feel like, oh, it's scripted. No, it's, you, you know what you're going to say, you know how you're going to handle the situation. You don't get into sticky situations as much and you kind of know how to troubleshoot on the fly, you know? And I feel like the more you practice it and the more organized you are behind the scenes, like the more smoothly things go when you're there and the more yeses you get and the more, you know, I used to record my, I agree with you, Brittany, because I, I feel like we're, we're, uh, we're connecting right here because I'm, I share that same uh, introvertedness, like feeling a little awkward sometimes. I used to record myself, talk about sweaty back. I would record myself in consultations so that I could go back and like cringe about like, oh God, what did I say that for? Right. But, and it was hard. It was hard to do, but I knew it was that ultimately it was going to lead to that repetition, right. Building that muscle to get me out of that place. Um, and it became, it became really fun actually. And then I, and I saw the growth. I saw like, ah, oh, don't do that again. You know, I only made that mistake once when I said, you know, Mrs. Jones, let's do a gross deprivement or something. Right. And she, and she said, what, what did you say to me? Uh, right. You call me gross. gross. Did you just call me gross? My <laughs> mouth gross. No, no, no. That's our term in dentistry for some if reason. You haven't been here in a while. So you're gross. Yeah, now. Yeah. So, um, 
I would agree with you, Brittany. I think it's a learn. I think you can definitely learn. I think it's a repetition thing. And if you don't, and, and don't surrender to the fact that, oh, I, you know, he's just lucky he was born with that, or she's just lucky she was born like that. I think that that's definitely a learning, a skill you can, can, can augment and learn. Um, yeah. I think in, I think in dentistry, we have to learn that, like, especially as hygienists, we are, our number one limitation is time. Mm-hmm. That is over and over and over. You hear like, I only have so much time and now they want me to do this and this and this, and I only have an hour and I can't fit it all in. And so timing is a real deal for us. And so for me personally, I, anytime we implement something new, I think, okay, what is the best way? And I sit down and write out my verbiage in such a way that I know it's understandable. It it makes sense quickly. I commit it to memory. I say it in the car. I look in the mirror and say it. And until I've totally got it and I could say it in my sleep at this point, and it doesn't come off as robotic once you kind of make it your own. But now I've created even more space in my appointment because I'm not have to, having to engage my brain for something that I'm doing all day long. So it just... It, yeah. And you're not fatigued by it. Meaning right. that, yes, because you, you, you've almost committed it to memory and now yep, it's part of sure. your vernacular. Yes. Yep. And I, I agree with that. I think it doesn't you know, get exhausting. Go ahead, you know go. what I think it, what it really is as a person who has, um, I guess, the gift of gab or whatever you guys were calling it, it's... It's, it takes a long time to believe in yourself as well. You know, the first time you say, a lot of this, you're, you're saying scripting, you're saying the words, you're saying practicing, but actually what you're practicing as well is integrity, saying, I have the power to help this person. Give me the influence to help them see my power. Mm-hmm. Give me the ability to convince them to know that in my heart, I want to do good for them. And that's what it really is. So when I'm presenting to a patient, I can't, you, you sell it. I instantly enroll. I can sell things. You cannot have me sell something I don't believe in. When yeah. I have to, when I bullshit, everybody knows it. If I don't like someone, I can't even fake it. Brittany knows that if I have someone in my office that I don't like, it is written, I radiate, I don't like you. Yeah, so too. it's just, I'm sorry. I have that gift as well. Yes. Yeah. So, so what it really is, is the reps of saying, I am well trained, I have power help me, give me influence. I can influence you to make the right decision for yourself. And that's why I'm good at it because I believe in it. If you ask me to sell something like people, you know, we have business deals in dentistry I've had in the past. We're like, Hey, we'd love to get your this or that. And you sell it. I'm like, I could never sell that. Like yeah. even when we, we had a, a supply house sponsor, one of our summits, we're like, we're going to put this on stage. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm like, I don't believe in that. And the thing sucks. You know? So um, I think it's just that um, you have to just develop the, and unlike you said, Teresa, when you walked into ADS, you're like, I don't belong. It's too nice. So a lot of that process that got you good was not the verbiage. It was an, uh, a high deserve level. It was understanding I deserve this. My patients deserve this because you can't sell something unless you care about yourself first. You have to care about yourself and then sell it to them it's, or it's enroll the, them. I'm sorry. It's, it's the yeah. belief in the delivery. I think, yeah. I think it has to go hand in yeah. hand, you know, because if you're stumbling over your words and like, don't know how to deliver what you believe or how to like put it out there. I think, I think yeah. it needs to be practiced. Since we're talking about like, like uh, verbiage and things that we practice to make our days run smoother. Is this a good time to talk about those things or should we not kind of yeah. get into that today? No, I think, I mean, if you've got some, uh, if you've definitely got some, I love a system. So if you're going to tell me, if you're going to tell me a system, like, let's go. Five easy steps. Five e- if you can tell me a five easy steps to. So, no, I just think that it's like so much of what happens when we're not working our clinical, you know, nine to five hygiene jobs is what makes Teresa and I successful. You know, it's, it's a lot of times what happens, like what Teresa talked about regarding mentality, like, you know, doing 
not necessarily self-help, but surrounding yourself with people who are uplifting, who want to win together, who want to collaborate, who want to get smarter, whose egos are out of the way, who want to learn and grow and be vulnerable and look stupid to learn a new skill together. Like, I think that that's a really important thing, you know, and that's about hiring the right people. So getting the right hiring processes is really important. That's a, that's a, you know, behind the scenes type of thing. That's so important, you know? Um, another thing is having standardized ex- expectations and making sure that everyone understands what the expectations are. So standard operating procedures, you know, what people consider kind of the boring things, but that is like setting people up for success. You know, when we updated our SOP, I saw people's performance like improve and increase and they understood what was expected of them. And it feels good to be able to check that box. It feels good to know, like I'm winning right now. I'm doing something right. Like I have something to measure that without someone reinforcing my behavior. I have a way yeah, to Everyone it. wants to know how to score the touchdown, right? Yeah. Everyone wants to know what's the, what, which direction do you want me to go for a win? Which direction do I go for, you know? Yeah. And, and I think so many times we don't lay that out as leaders of a practice or owners of a practice. We don't lay out the guardrails of like, this is what a win looks like for me. And yeah. this is what I don't want you to do. Or we expect that other people know or can read our minds. And I just think that's mm-hmm. setting each other up for failure in any relationship. Mm-hmm. And especially with people, you have to work in a high stress environment or, you know, fast paced environment with every single day, it's just setting everyone up for failure. So organizing and understanding your standard operating procedures. Um, you know, I think having hygiene meetings is a really important thing to hygiene meetings and talking about what's going well, what's not going well, brainstorming together, making sure that everyone's an active participant at those meetings. So if you bring an agenda item to the table, you speak about the agenda item, you come with a solution, we implement something, then it's old business, new business. We follow up on the solution and make sure that it's, that it's good. You know, Um, having team socials improves morale. That's one of those um, uh, it's not tangible. You know, it's an intangible asset though. You know, team morale is big. It's the unity and kind of like the. It it cultivates teamwork for sure. I would agree with you on that. Yes. Getting together after outside of a work environment. And I know that's like, we can't do that anymore. Um, but I think I remember- that predicates all of it. You, you, no matter how much systems and protocols and business you have, if you have cost to culture, it will eat you alive. It's, it's the cancer. It takes everything out. Yeah, absolutely. And if your and if your culture isn't very specifically um, kind of working against toxic behaviors too, I think that that can grow like a weed, just like insurance, like as Sharisa would say, you know, like gossip spreads like wildfire. So making sure you have the culture where we don't gossip, we have sweaty back conversations instead. Well, that's that protect your house part, right? You enjoy your culture. You enjoy your office. A bad apple can sour the bunch. And so by the way, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading the book, extreme ownership. And one thing that's Mm -hmm. like resonated with me is it's not owning the failures, but owning, if you don't take out a bad player and you tolerate low performance, Mm -hmm. that becomes your new standard. And that's something I've been, you know, I can see like when I can retrace my steps, you know, I haven't been as quick to act because I like really bond with people and I like people. And if you're caustic and I, and you tolerate them, you're really shafting your team. It's not about you. You're shafting your team and your results. So Mm -hmm. that, that book was real. That part of that book really resonated tolerating poor performers. If you, if you look at that though, it's usually not about performance, like clinical performance. It's usually about no, no. lack of integrity, not aligned values, you know, issues like personally that a person isn't willing to like face and resolve. I feel like a lot of times that's like the foundation of yeah. the issue. Usually they're great performers. Not. The problem is on they're, they're high perform. Like in my thing, my blind spot is you're yeah. a high performer and you're yeah. causing drama. That's where you, you, that's my sucker punch that I don't see coming. That's like you're making a lot of money. Measure. 
it's hard to measure the, the damage or the effect that that person is having. All you can see is their numbers and that's measurable. So if someone's a high performer and they're producing a lot, but they're- And they're doing their administration. Members or they're a poor communicator, that's damaging to the team. It's hard to measure that though, you know? Right, but I don't, I don't look at it as high numbers as much as like doing great work for the patient, but wrecking everybody else. That's the blind spot for me. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's a good lesson for protecting the house. Brittany and Sharissa, I, I really feel strongly about what I'm about to say that you guys are going to, to change the direction of hygiene for the better, you know, um, at whatever scale that happens, I don't know, but you're going to change that. And, um, and you're going to be part of this new movement because I believe hygiene is, you know, the MVP of dentistry, um, dentist, I'm not saying that dentists aren't the MVP, but definitely hygiene is an, is a massive part to getting people healthy and better and helping the dentist be better and all those things. Um, one thing I wanted to say is, um, let's just talk about some of the, the, if someone's interested in hearing more, if let's say a dentist is, is listening along and they want their hygienist to start, you know, following you guys or ascribing to what you're talking about, or they liked what you, what, what you guys said, talk, let's go from the top level. So I know you guys have a very active social uh, Instagram right now. And it's, <laughs> it's uh, Craig and I talk about on the podcast, how you guys in, in nine seconds eclipsed, eclipsed our following, which uh, no, no, no. was, it was, like was our, was quite was the gut punch. It was like 10 seconds. <laughs> And, and, um, it was, it was, it was pretty fast. So I, I wondered where you bought all those followers, Brittany. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'll um, give you the number. I'll give you the you're number. Right. But no, you guys have a, you guys have an amazing Instagram presence. So I would say that would be step one. Are, and I'm guessing you're going to be announcing things kind of from the platform. Obviously we yes. talked about the Bulletproof Summit. You guys are launching a podcast. You've got a busy year. You're launching a podcast. This was your inaugural one. Craig, help me out. Inaugurable. 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 Thank you. Inaugurable. An, an, an enemy. An enemy. Anemone? Inaugural? Anemone? No, no, um, no, no, no. It's not that. It's your inaugural. Inaugural. <laughs> See, Brittany, I have a... We just let's give Tara an for that. All right. So we've got, you've got the, uh, the podcast, the summit, the book, and yes. one more thing. The course, right? Yes. yes. You guys, you guys yes. spent like nine days in like creating a, a hygiene course that's uh that is definitely full of clinical acumen and, and all the things that you know, I think you guys both mentioned. So that's going to be cool as well. Um, anything I missed that, um, that, you know, we can, we can direct people to, to, uh, to keep in touch with you or follow along with you in your journey. Yeah, definitely. Instagram is going to be the easiest one. Um, we do make an, uh, make a lot of announcements on Instagram as to upcoming uh, mm -hmm. events, books, you know, anything that's going on in our world will, Keep everyone up to date, but also we are launching Mighty Networks as well. Mm. Is that something that we want you to touch on? Right? Yeah, we can touch on it. I mean, we we are just doing it right now. Literally, we sent out the email today, Brittany, for our network. So essentially, what what Brittany is saying is that Mighty Network is our closed. We have our own essentially closed communication network where it it can push notification notifications to you. And it's a really cool experience from ours. So ours, we just tell people to go to bullet, uh, bulletproof.dental and you can join our network and have amazing conversations about the content we talk about and collaborate with dentists all around the country. So we're building this out because we feel like we needed to have a, a, a forum for dentists to be collaborating on the topics that we talk about. Right. And so sometimes it feels Craig and I feel like we're just talking one direction to people, right. On a podcast, you feel like you're just spraying it out and then you're never hearing any feedback from what people are saying. And so this is the network we want to hear is then post this topic and let's talk about it a little bit. Let's get into some dialogue. If you disagree, agree, have anything oh. to add, it'd be great. And so you guys have your own thing because we didn't want to put it originally. We actually set it up to be under the same 
umbrella as our mighty network. And then we said, you know what, this, this has enough, this needs to be a community all in itself because you guys have the chops number one. And I think hygiene needs to have a, a you know, not being just commingled with, with a bunch of dentists. And likewise, right? Dentists want to kind of have their own discussions about, you know, the struggles that we right. have. So right. you have your own money network. Where would someone go? I mean, is it, that's probably not live yet. So I don't want to be premature in announcing that. Yeah. But when it is, how would someone find that, Brittany? It would be the app store, right? You go to the app store or Mighty Network and then search Bulletproof Hygiene. Okay. All right. Yeah. And Perfect. that's then they'll have direct access. And like Dr. Peter, uh, Dr. Bolden said, um, yeah, it's uh, immediate. We'll be chatting and kind of getting a real life and in full disclosure, we are both growing that right now. So if you land on it, all of a sudden you're like, it only has 26 people in here on this network. Yeah. Like, yeah, Brand check new. back, check it's back in a year. Day. I promise you it'll look different. Just give it a month. Give it a month. Yeah, right. Give it a month. Uh, yeah, we're done. Uh, so it's exciting times. You guys have a big year ahead. I know you, I know you feel exhausted because of all the content you've been producing and all the prep you've been doing. And I'm, you know, I can see the writing on the wall of, of the impact you're going to have and the hygienist you're going to help. And I'm just... Like literally, it gives me goosebumps because I can see what's going to happen. Even in July, you guys are going to make massive strides and massive impact. So, um, I'm I'm excited for you guys. I'm your biggest cheerleader. Aww. Thanks. We're Cheer ready man. for it. Let's do it. We're ready. Teresa and I feel the same way. We can't wait. We are so excited to be here. We're so excited to be doing what we're doing. Great, Craig. Craig, Craig, any closing sentiments? No, I can't top that, guys. It was okay. awesome to have you guys here. I'm excited about your future, and uh, dentistry needs it. Dentistry as a whole needs it. If we do our jobs great, we're gonna we're gonna help our help our community and help a lot of patients vicariously. I mean, we we started this because we wanted to create impact on a patient by patient basis. And as you evolve and grow, you want to leverage what you've learned so that you can help more people. And that's exactly what we're doing. So I'm proud of it. So this will probably be your. We're gonna repurpose this. Will probably be your first podcast on your own channel. So if you're a hygienist that's tuning in and you want your dentist to hear it, obviously forward him for this. So alignment is key. Just like we talked about at the summit. If you're a dentist that's listening to it on our on our channel, then obviously um, you know get your hygienist to be connected with uh, Brittany and Sharisa on um, on their new podcast and go support that for them. So um, that's great. Good stuff. Thanks everybody. Had a great time and um and let's all stay bulletproof. Yep. Indeed. Thanks for having us. Okay. All right. Good night everybody.